Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Hello, and welcome to everyone joining us for another episode of Sense by Meg Fora. I'm Bailey Georgiadis, a media personality, podcaster, and mom of two delicious little boys. I'm here with our very own parenting and baby guru, Meg Fora. How are you, Meg? Yeah, very well, Bailey. So good to see you again and to hear you and to be on the podcast with you again. Now, I always call you the guru because ever since I have done this podcast with you, I feel like my parenting has improved at least 50%, almost to the point where I said to my sister the other day, who's actually expecting, oh, I wish I had known what I'm sharing with you now so that I could go back and redo things. Not enough to have a third though, but... I am really enjoying our chats and learning so much. And today I'm hoping that you can help with a subject that is extremely close to my heart and actually brings me heart palpitations and anxiety. And that is picky eating. Yeah. What can we do about this? Why won't these kids eat? And I just want to share very quickly my experience. I've got two very different little boys. George was slow to warm. And Alexi was my social butterfly. And now I'm having the complete opposite where George has become a social butterfly butterfly and eating absolutely everything, eating me out of house and home and trying things that I could not have told you would have happened at a year, two years old. And now my two-year-old is on the beige diet and all he wants is bread, pasta, chips. And if I get a carrot in, I am the happiest mom in the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible how different they are. And you know, it'll it'll probably swing in the teen years where the one will eat, you know, it'll swing all the way around. So it's so funny, but it is, it's a hugely frustrating thing. And it is so random, you know, some little ones become really picky, but there are ages at which most babies actually do go through picky stages, you know, and there's, there's one kind of around nine, 10 months, and there's another one in the toddler years. And it's quite common for little ones to become a little bit more fussy and picky at those ages, even though they actually have really been quite good feeders all along. So how do we avoid picky eating? Yeah. So, I mean, in order to think about avoiding it, um, I think it's important to just recognize what causes it. And, you know, there are a couple of different things that can cause picky eating. One is their innate sensory personality. And you mentioned the slow to warm up personality. That's an example of a little one who really doesn't like anything new. They don't love novelty. They like things that are predictable. And moms, if you haven't listened to Bailey and my episode on the sensory personality do go back and listen to that mm. because it really is, it, it'll reveal so much about your little one's sensory personality. So the first thing that causes picky eating would be the sensory personality that you get some little ones who really are much more fussy because they're much more sensitive orally or they're sensitive to smells or they just are slow to warm up and they don't want to engage with novelty. And if you don't want to engage with novelty, feeding you can imagine would be quite a thorny area, especially we yeah. 
The second thing that um, kind of impacts picky eating is early experiences. And when I talk about early experiences, I'm talking about all the way through from pregnancy through to weaning. So early experiences have a very big impact on how little one it takes to food. So your diet in pregnancy, the flavors were transmitted through to your baby in the amniotic fluid. And so your little one kind of gets wired for eating certain flavors or gets used, used to certain flavors. And so we know that little ones who whose moms eat curries and very flavorful food during pregnancy tend to be slightly less fussier. And the same goes for breastfeeding, because of course, when you're breastfeeding, the, the flavors go through your milk as well. And so right. a good exposure to a lot of flavor early on is a good thing. It actually does uh, prevent picky eating. And likewise, the time of weaning actually has an impact. So um, if you if you wean your little one very late, you kind of start to enter into that phase where you're adding a lot of novelty at a time when they start to become resistant. So I mentioned at the beginning that around nine months, lots of little ones become a little bit picky. And that's because at around about that age, that, that kind of openness to engage with, with new flavors and new food starts to dissipate a little bit. And okay. so they start to become a little bit more hesitant about what they're going to eat. And so that's why we do say wean a little bit earlier. Another thing that impacts picky eating is if you've had a prem baby. And so prem babies are very often um, fed with a nasogastric tube. And when you feed your little one with a nasogastric tube, they end up with, with some sensitivities around their mouth. So our oral sensitivities and often with just kind of almost like a PTSD, like a post-traumatic stress thought about things going into their mouth and into their tummy. So prem babies can be picky eaters. And then little ones with food intolerances also often are picky eaters. And if they have had a negative reaction, whether it's an intolerance or even an allergy to a food, they become much more adverse to actually trying new foods. And then you've got too much milk in the diet, which is another thing that impacts picky eating. And that's a classic one in the toddler years. And we can unpack all of these as you want to, but mm. eating a little one too much milk in their diet, particularly after a year of age, they're not going to want to eat food because they're getting all their calories from milk. They're not getting all their nutrients from milk, but they are getting all their calories from milk. And so if you have kind of unrestrained breastfeeding in the toddler years and your baby kind of snacks on and off your breast all the time, or has five bottles at night, well, of course they're going to be picky for food during right. the day. And then the last the last couple of things are illness can cause picky eating. And we often find that a little one, they've had a snotty nose, they've been bunged up, they haven't wanted to eat, they kind of have gone off their food and then they're better and then they remain picky. And that often happens with, with illness as well. Or if there's been a food that they've eaten that actually made them ill, like for instance, quite my, my daughter once had sago pudding and it made her really sick, but really it was off, I think. And she cannot see sago pudding now. So you know, those kind of associations <laughs> with food. Yeah. And then, of course, finally, the toddler things can actually impact on picky eating. And that's things like needing autonomy and just pushing back or being too busy to eat. And that happens with our social butterflies. So, you know, there I've kind of unpacked um, six or seven things that really mm. do impact on picky eating. And you can see how varied it is and how many different things can impact on picky eating. And I love that you haven't gone, well, mom, it's your fault. You know? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> because we, we take it on. We often think, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? Did mm. I not? I mean, I should have had a more varied diet in my pregnancy and I can't go back and change that now. Mm. So what do we do? I mean, we always worry about their nutrition. Are they growing properly? Are they getting enough of the right minerals and nutrients? What should we be doing if our little ones are maybe eating five to six of the same foods, Groundhog Day, and maybe even leaving out whole food groups? 
Yeah, look, I mean, you're right. We do take it on as parents, um, particularly mums. We we look to ourselves always like, what have I done wrong? And even yeah. for me, I mean, I look back at my firstborn. He was a picky eater when he was little. And I look back and I go, well, it must have all been me. But of course, it probably wasn't all me. But that is what we do as parents. So in terms of your question around what do we do if our little one is having a very limited diet? So they are kind of just eating just just whites. And it's very often, you call it the beige diet. It yeah. very often is that kind of white and beige foods, you know, kind of the fried foods, the highly processed foods, the carbohydrates and the dairy. That's that's really what sits in that beige stroke white category. So a couple of things around that. So the first thing is around everything to do with picky eating. My recommendation is not to become too hysterical about it. And it's quite an important lesson, particularly for us as A-type, many of us are A-type mums. I certainly was, you know, I liked the control. I liked to know what was going in. I liked to tick the boxes. Yeah. And so when they didn't take in their food, I became more and more anxious. So the first thing is just to just to take a step back and not be too worried. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that little ones, first of all, don't need a huge amount of food. So um, they don't need to eat a massive amount in order to survive. In fact, for survival, all they actually need is one tablespoon of food per meal of each meal of every day per year of their life. In other words, if they're two years old, it's two tablespoons for breakfast, two for lunch, two for supper, two for snacks in between. And of course, that's not enough to really thrive on, but that's enough to survive on. And, you know, that for me was a message that somebody told me when I was panicking about James's eating and it really made me relax. And the minute I relaxed thinking, okay, we've done the two tablespoons, he went on and ate more. So uh. one of the first things is not to worry too much, not to get too hysterical, not to try and control it because actually your anxiety can exacerbate the situation. The second thing is to look at the whole week. Like, Don't just look at that one meal where they've only gone in for the beiges, but have a look across the week and try and see whether or not across the week there's been some strawberries that have gone in or maybe some, you know, one piece of broccoli and try and look at your whole week. So just judge your week rather than the one meal. And then if you really are finding that they're taking in only really one food color, as an example, or one food type, then you do want to start to move them towards more variety. And there's two ways to do that. The one is that you always want to offer exposure we often talk about a baby and a toddler needing sometimes 14 exposures before they actually take to a food. So an exposure can be just all your sensory exposures, seeing it or just smelling it or just touching it and then throwing it on the floor or actually putting it in their mouth and spitting it out or actually tasting and swallowing. So those are, those are five different exposures and some little ones need like 14 exposures. They need to see a food you know, quite a few times before they'll actually touch it or smell it and so on. And so having exposure is important. So that means that when, they, when you've got your beige diet on the plate, put some carrots on as well, put some broccoli on as well, put some some strawberries on as well. Even if they're not going to eat them, just have them on the plate so that they can visually see them. Maybe the next time they'll touch them, maybe they'll put them in their mouth, spit them out, and then eventually eat them. So exposure is the first thing that you do want to do. And then the next thing that you do want to do is something that we call food chaining, which is where you actually start to expand their repertoire of food by staying with certain qualities of a food. So let's say, for instance, they love mashed potatoes. So it's white, they love the mash. They're happy with that texture, but they don't like butternut cubes, let's say, for example. So now we want to get them onto butternut because now we want them to have some beta carotene, let's say, you know, coming through in mm. our butternut. So what we're going to do is we're going to stick to the one quality in, in potato that we can replicate in butternut, and that's the mashed part. So you start off with a mashed potato, and then you add in a little bit of mashed of butternut, and you mash that up together. And slowly but surely, you're moving them towards a new flavor by keeping the texture the same. And then as soon as they're taken to the butternut, you can give them mashed butternut. And then once they've taken to that, you can then move on to forked mashed butternut instead of, you know, kind of more smooth butternut. And then eventually onto butternut cubes. So you can see that you've kind of chained them along, linked it all the way across until they're on a whole new type of food. 
I think this is absolutely brilliant to know. And the one thing that really surprised me is you saying that there can be 14 exposures. And I think what where the anxiety comes in is I'll put something down on his plate that I know he's going to love. And then I'll introduce something new. But the food wastage just kills mm. me. So how much patience and perseverance do we actually need before we can turn these bad eating habits around? Yeah, the food wastage is what freaks us out. So mm. a couple of things around food wastage. What you make up, don't serve that all up so that you can actually put some back in the fridge, you know, for the next meal so that you can do that. Okay. So just serve very small portions. And that's actually a good tip as well, because little ones actually, you know, like many of us as well, when you're overwhelmed with a pile of food, you, you don't know where to start. But if there's just a few little pieces on the plate, then you know where to start. So don't serve up too much. And then, yeah, look, I think it is a matter of actually taking, taking the anxiety way always offering them one more. So that little phrase, one more mouthful, one more piece is a really good idea. So let's say you've served up a plate of um, a couple of, of broccoli and um, florets and a little bit of chicken nugget and then some mashed potato and they've gone in for a little bit taste of each and then they've said it's enough and you think gosh this isn't even two tablespoons of food and he's two years old you know he's surely got to have more. You would then say one more and if he says no or pushes the food away or pushes the food out of his mouth, then say, okay, no more then. And take the food away and throw that away, unfortunately, but hopefully you haven't dished up too much. But the key now is not to let him graze before the next eating opportunity. So remember, right. little ones from six months old have five eating opportunities in a day, excluding milk. So that's breakfast, lunch, and supper, plus mid-morning snack and mid-afternoon snack. So if you break down your day, that's pretty much eating every two, two and a half hours during the day. So there's always a new eating opportunity. So the piece of advice there was you've taken the food away, you've persevered just by asking once more, have one more mouthful. And then at the next eating opportunity, you're going to have something that's really nutritious. And that, that's where snacks become very important. Snacks shouldn't be a packet of flings, a packet of popcorn and, mm. you know, kind of an unhealthy food. You need to make sure that your snack opportunities are really healthy opportunities. So if you're going to serve your little one a muffin, let's say, for example, as a snack, then try and make it a homemade one or make it a carrot muffin or make it a whole grain bran muffin. Don't go in for the vanilla fairy cakes because right. they are not going to have the same nutrients. So make sure that your snack opportunity is actually pretty much like a meal opportunity. And if you're doing that five times a day, then you can just relax because if they have very little at the one, then they can wait for the next. The important principle that I will just add in there is that you have to protect the appetite for the next out a meal outing. And that means, or the meal, meal opportunity, and that means not too much milk during the day and absolutely no fruit juice. And I think that's a very important principle is that sometimes we think, oh yes, they're only having five solid meals in the day and they're not grazing in between. But in between those, they've had quite a bit of milk or even worse, fruit juice. And so right. fruit juice is a big, big no-no because that will disrupt sugar levels and it will disrupt appetite. And we know that fruit should be eaten, not drunken. So, you know, in between those meal opportunities, it should only be water. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting.
You know, Meg, when we started this, when I just see the words or hear the words fussy eating, I immediately feel triggered and anxiety. And just going through this podcast with you, my shoulders have not become earrings anymore. They've actually dropped. (laughs) And I feel like I can breathe out a sigh of relief because you're right. With five to six eating opportunities, your child is not going to starve itself. So you get to control what they eat and they get to control how much they eat which is really important. Yeah. And that's such an important principle. In fact, in my book, Weaning Sense, which is the book, I mean, if moms are battling, they need to go and get hold of Weaning Sense. It is available on Take A Lot and on Amazon. Best book ever. I'm jumping in. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, scary. <laughs> it, has, it, it is a bestseller. It's, been, it's done really well. And I think it's because it's just so accessible for moms. But yeah. in one of the chapters, you know, we, we talk in, in the Weaning Sense book, we talk about collab weaning and the B of Collab actually stands for baby-friendly weaning. So we are focused very much around what works for the baby, as opposed to baby-led, which is baby-led weaning, which is whole food um, that you give to babies from six months. But baby-friendly weaning means that we want babies to regulate their own appetite. And in that chapter, we talk about what sits in a mom's domain of control and what sits in a baby's domain of control. And you've mentioned one of the things that's in the mom's domain of control, and that's the what. And actually, it's the what, where, and when that the mom should control. So the what is, yes, no fruit juice, no empty calories, make sure it's whole food because you don't want to spike um, blood sugar levels. The where is in the high chair because you want to have a location where you actually are feeding your baby, not chasing them around the house. So when a meal is finished, a meal is finished. And the when is, of course, those five food opportunities in the day plus the appropriate amount of milk. And you need to be very measured on that. And if a mom takes care of those properly, if she really does do that part properly, the baby can control the how much. There's almost no babies. It's a very rare very, very rare syndrome where a baby can't control their appetite or eats inappropriate amounts, either too much or too little. It's very unusual. Babies, by and large, are intuitive eaters and will control their quantities. Fantastic. Now, as always, we have people sending in their questions via your social media. There's a question that's come in from Laura. She's a vegetarian. Her husband is a meat eater, but doesn't eat chicken. Her toddler, on the other hand, only eats chicken nuggets flings, rice cakes, and hot chips. She refuses fruit, veggies, or anything like that. She also started on plain rice cereal as a first food. And Laura wants to know where to from here. Help. Mm. So lots of lovely principles actually in that um, question. So I'm going to start and go through step by step. So the first thing is that Laura's a vegetarian, her husband's a meat eater and won't eat chicken. So, you know, one of the things that I do say to mums is don't be too picky yourself because, and we often see this where we'll have a mum who is, you know, like neglects or, or cuts out entire food groups or is, you know, doesn't eat in front of her family because maybe she's got an eating disorder herself. And, you know, we really have to have kind of normal food eating processes in front of our children for them to actually see what it's like. And we must enjoy our food. And so it's quite important that, you know, when parents are thinking about feeding their little ones and why the little ones picky is not to, is try to try and not leave out whole food groups. Now, of course, mom's a vegetarian, dad is a meat eater. That's fine. The baby is seeing both, but it's just something to have at the back of our mind is that how we eat is how our children will eat as well. Now, this little one is obviously on what we have already referred to as the beige or white diet, only eating chicken nuggets flings, rice cakes, hot chips, very typical, and then doesn't eat any of the fruit, veggies, or anything like that. So what's quite interesting here is that Laura started a baby on rice cereal. And you know, we often see this, Bailey, where um, little ones who started on rice cereal and very bland diets early on actually are quite selective eaters. And in particular, in years gone by, when we used to recommend weaning at six months of age, if you weaned onto rice cereal at six months of age, 
you basically lost that opportunity for explore, explorative eating. Because explorative eating, when babies are really open to lots of variety, kind of that door sort of closes eight to nine months. They become a little bit more narrow. And so this little one in particular could have had that opportunity where they were actually only eating rice cereal, didn't get a wide range of flavors. So the moms who are listening now who haven't weaned, this is an example of why we don't wean onto rice cereal and why we don't delay weaning because otherwise we can end up with these beige diets. So what I would be saying to this mom is a couple of things. The first thing is that you can actually rewean your baby. I did this with actually an influencer in South Africa a few years ago, where she had a very picky four-year-old and re-weaned her four-year-old. So she got hold of the Weaning Sense book and she took her four-year-old through the process of introducing all of the different foods. And it was an, and she documented it. It was an amazing wow. case. And her little one actually then started to have, you know, to enjoy more foods. And so my first piece of advice to Laura is to go back to the Weaning Sense book. And the Weaning Sense book is fabulous because it just weans food at the right pace and with the right new nutrients coming in. And so that's what I would do is I would, first of all, re-wean their, her baby. The second thing that I would do, which I've mentioned earlier today is is to food chain so to offer things that look like and you know when you look at that that list chicken nuggets flings rice cakes and hot chips those all are crunchy on the outside so her little one's going in for more crunchy kind of you know we often see that with the fried food and so i would do the same with other vegetables so there's a lovely recipe in the weaning sense book which is for vegetable fritters you kind of grate up beetroot for red and you grate up carrot for the orange and you grate up you, you make a spinach and potato version for the green and you make some really brightly colored fritters vegetable fritters and what's great about that is that you're replicating that kind of fried food texture, but you're doing it with new flavors and, and colors, which is really important. So the food chaining could work quite well for this little one as well. And then very importantly with this little one, you've got to make sure you're offering only nutritious food. And one of the things in that list are flings, um, which is a type of crisp and, and chip for people who are overseas. And I would drop that all together. In fact, I'd get rid of that in the house altogether. And I would really focus in on only having nutritious food going onto the plate because when you've got empty calories, you're filling yourself, your little one up in terms of their caloric needs, but you're not giving them the nutrients. And that's problematic. Fantastic. So with that knowledge and knowing that rice cereal isn't a good idea, the last question comes in from Jessie who wants to start weaning but does not know where to start. And she says, realistically, she's probably not going to make her own baby food. So mm -hmm. what are good things to look for in shop-bought baby foods? Yeah, this is an absolutely great question. And it pertains directly to picky eating. I don't know how, if you've ever gone, gone for that those old-fashioned baby foods in glass jars where, and not to mention any brands, where you <laughs> kind of dip your finger in and you taste it. And with your eyes closed, you cannot identify what the flavor is. <laughs> and actually, it's pretty much disgusting. In fact, some, some of the flavors replicate animal food, in my opinion. So that's um, just revolting. So imagine weaning yourself onto that um, shop bought food and weaning your baby onto that shop bought food. You then can understand why when you start to present things like carrots, they reject carrots because the last time they tasted something that was orange, it didn't taste like a carrot. And actually it was maybe a bit bitter and they really didn't enjoy it. So the very first principle when you are looking for shop bought food is it needs to taste really, really good. And you must actually want to dip into it yourself. Now, if I think about, um, there's a, a store in South Africa called Woolworths, for instance, that has, you know, they, they have some fruit baby food. And I've, wow, when my little ones were little, I loved that. I would kind of dig in while they were eating as well. And so if you feel like digging in, then it probably is really 
good and flavorful. And actually last year we developed a baby food range called Weaning Sense on the basis of my book, which is sold through You Cook in South Africa. And I think Checkers as well. So look out for Weaning Sense. And what we specifically did there was we made the food really taste like adult food and like proper food. So for instance, there's a mushroom and risotto that the little ones absolutely love. Now, when you taste that mushroom and risotto, it's got lovely thyme in it as well. It's really, really flavorful. So make does that come in um, adult size? <laughs> it sounds delicious. It is very yummy. I mean, there are so many yummy flavors. There's also carrot oat porridge, which is just unbelievable. Ooh, so there you're yum. getting your vegetables in with the with the oats porridge for the morning, and it's got some cinnamon in it. So mm. what we do is we we put the flavors together really carefully. So that's your first principle that I want to share with Jesse and all moms looking for shop bought food is it's got to taste really good because it's got to be something that you want to dig into as well. So that's your first principle. The second principle is that it needs you. Need to be very cautious around what actually has gone into the food. And the easiest way to do this is to flip it over onto the back and have a look at the, the ingredients list. Now in South Africa and some other countries, but certainly in South Africa, the legislation around food labeling is really, really rigorous. And that means that what is in that food has to be labeled on the back of that label. And so what should you be looking for? You should look for, first of all, as few ingredients as possible. So when something says it's a, a carrot cake porridge, which is which is what we have in the weaning sense range, it will literally have oats, water, carrot, and cinnamon as an example. So it's got to be really, really just a few ingredients. The minute you've got more ingredients and especially ingredients that you don't recognize and particularly numbers, you want to throw out altogether that food. So you wouldn't pick up a food that had something like modified starch. Because if I said to you, oh, please, won't you dish me a plate of modified starch? You'd look at me mm. blankly like, what the <laughs> heck is that? So if you don't know what it is, if you can't picture it, then do not feed it to your baby. And if there's a number on the back, and that means there's preservatives in, you need to take that out as well. And then also things like fructose that have been added in to make things taste sweet. That's really not good for your little ones. So, you know, you need to really have a look at the labels and be very conscious about what you are feeding your little one. If you choose to feed your little one shop-bought food. And I mean, on that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with actually offering shop-bought food. You know, it's just that you've got to make the right choices. Absolutely. Well, Laura and Jesse, I hope that answers your questions. And if you ever have any questions for Meg, please get hold of her on her social media platform. She would love to be able to engage with you. And this is what this podcast is for, all this amazing knowledge and to answer your questions. Meg, do you have any other tips? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think the main take homes from today are, first of all, try and take the stress out of it because it is something where if you, if you amp it up and you are too stressed about it, your little one is going to pick up on it. And that sometimes means letting dad feed your little one or a nanny feed your little one. That can make a big difference. Second thing is protect their appetite. And that means spacing meals appropriately, not overfeeding milk and absolutely no fruit juice. Those are really, really important principles. And then aside from all the other lovely advice that I've given around food chaining and getting your little one to eat a greater repertoire of foods, I do want to just add in that sometimes we get a little one who just goes through a phase where they will not eat. And this can happen because they're teething or because they're sick or because there's a new sibling or because they're two years old and they can, they can just resist food. <laughs> so when that happens and you've followed all the principles and you're tearing your hair out and you just don't know what to do, that's where there's an opportunity for smoothies and supplements to come in. And I think it's important to, as we finish off, just acknowledge the place for that. So smoothies, first of all, are fabulous, particularly as dinner. And, you know, I think we often think dinner has to be every vegetable, all the, all the food groups, you know, lots of proteins, carbohydrates, 
But dinner doesn't have to be that. Dinner can just be a smoothie. And often that's the time of the day when your little one is overtired, overstimulated. You're at the end of your tether. You've just rushed in from a day of work and you actually just can't even piece together a meal. And that's okay. You know, giving them a smoothie, particularly for little ones who don't eat dinner and resist dinner altogether is okay. As part of that principle, you know, you can you can actually look up in the Weaning Sense book. There's a great recipe for a smoothie, which includes quinoa and spinach, but is wonderfully sweet because it's got berries and banana and peanut butter butter in it. So it's really a very nutritious all-in-one meal. Um, So having a smoothie is absolutely fine. And then sometimes we do recommend supplementation for little ones. So sometimes little ones become picky eaters because they've been in such a bad rut that on a nutritional level, there's some macronutrients and micronutrients that they're missing. And so they actually, it impacts on their appetite. And in this circumstance, I would first always seek the advice of a pediatric dietitian. And Kath McGaw, interestingly, who's the pediatric dietitian who is the advisor on the Parent Sense app, is, has joined us on a picky eating podcast. And if you look inside your app, you'll actually find a picky eating course as well that she's running. So it'll be added in during the course of, of this year. So it really is worth looking at Kat's course on picky eating and maybe seeking out advice of, of a dietitian. And she will then probably recommend if your little one is a very picky eater and you can't get it right, some sort of supplementation. And then there are lovely toddler shakes that we can bring in. And there's nothing wrong with that either. The risk in toddler shakes is that if they're taking in too many calories from them and some toddler shakes actually are way too, you know, way too fabulous. So they end up having two or three in the day and then they've got no appetite. So you do need to make sure that you are giving the appropriate amount and that it's managed by a pediatric dietitian, preferably. Fantastic. Meg, I appreciate this so much. You've really taken a lot of anxiety out of picky eating and I cannot wait to learn more from you next time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Bailey. It's always such a pleasure to connect with you and to be with the moms on this platform. So thank you all. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Cheers. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.